uh, Facebook thing because it'll only weird me out. But being caught in the loop. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are in the loop already. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another glorious episode of the Global Frequency. It's been an interesting week. It's been a spooky week. It feels like like the week before, except I'm 45 and still alive. Um, see that boy's 45 still alive. Um, but it's been a strange week from um, almost almost spooky in the sense that a, a huge monolith appeared in the middle of the Utah desert, which nobody can explain. But almost as quickly as it appeared, it disappeared um, as if out of a strange movie. Unlikely it was unlikely it was aliens, but God knows who knows what it was. Who knows who Stan, Stanley this? Kubrick from the grave. Stanley Kubrick from the grave, that was. <laughs> a marker for the end of the uh, Trump presidency as the agency has grown up into proper human beings. Who knows? Who cares? I don't know. But I've got two other people here who seem to who seem to care and chat and talk, and they're here to also entertain you. My name's CJ Rock, and I'm joined by the amazing TC. Are you there? Hello. With you, with Take wine. me to your leader. Thank you. How you doing? Bonjour. And a fantastic James. How, how are you guys? You all right? How is it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you, uh, CJ? I'm doing good for the world. Like I said, 45, still alive. Um, it feels well. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Thank, thank you very much. I'm, I'm pleased to have made it this far in the current environment. As every movie always used to tell me, I wouldn't survive past the first scene. And I feel like I'm like... 75% way through the film and I've still made it. So, you know, it could, it could be good. I could make it to the movie. You know, um, the way things are going. Now, um, it's like, like I said, it's been a straight, it feels like deja vu um, to a large degree um, in terms of things that have been going on in, in the UK. And we're still in the middle of, like I always like to say, the most incompetent government I've ever seen Um that is only being beaten in worse in terms of worse performance by the USA, Brazil, um, and Brazil and a few what they call third world countries. But COVID still seems to be something we can't handle over here in the UK. I know, James, you, you've literally shifted across to, to Europe itself, um, not necessarily because of COVID. I'd love to, as a lead into this, say it was because of COVID, but no, you've moved across um, to Portugal, I believe. Lovely, lovely Portugal. Well, it kind of was because of COVID, uh, because a, a, an operation was postponed in the UK and uh, my wife went over to the continent to visit family and end up uh, going down with the very problem that she was going to have an operation for and end up having to stay for long term. So, yeah, no, it's all right. And, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm in I'm in Portugal and are they doing it better? Well, they're doing it differently better not sure um cases are still mm. rising um you know it's very family oriented so people are uh meeting and getting together although they have they're doing a uh, a weekend lockdown at 1 p.m every week uh, every weekend day so saturday and sunday really? 1 p.m it's deserted absolutely deserted yeah well well that, that's that's what i think actually generally there probably won't be there will be we can only look to countries that are nailing it really for, for the right way and i think that apart from in europe apart from really germany and I, yeah i can't think of any other country apart from germany and europe who's actually smashing it out of the park and even then cases will rise um i think greek had a really good greece had a good start to it as well because they locked down completely but then we'd have to look at new zealand or you know, Taiwan or South Korea, that, the, those are the nations that seem to get a grip and whether that's because their ability, because they're so isolated anyway, to shut down um, was there or they had the technology to track and trace because of previous outbreaks like South Korea with SARS. Yeah. I think that's the only thing we can look at. I mean, we weren't ready. I don't think most of Europe, Europe wasn't ready, um, let alone the States. But the thing is, obviously, you can implement things to make it better and it's different culturally wherever you go. I think the UK could have done a better job considering how much of a head start we had over Europe generally, but then not being able to see the signs of that. That's the issue, isn't it? Not being able to sort of go, actually, that's happening. We probably want to get these things in place before it all kicks off here, or at least put it put it into place, even if it doesn't, and that way we're ready. And that 
didn't seem to happen at the start of this. And we know there's another wave coming. So, you know, uh, it's the third wave, isn't it? After Christmas, they reckon. So we'll see what happens then. Mm. But anyway, so Curtis, I'll, 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 just, I'll give that answer. Uh, uh, again, like you mentioned, I, I, I just think, like you said um, at the start, other countries have managed it better. They had a hard lockdown. They kept people indoors and it has worked. But yet the UK seems to be floundering between this like, well, um, shall we go for that Swedish way of you know, doing it, which is now proven not to work? Yeah. Or do we, do we enforce it a bit harder the way that the countries where it is working? And remember, our lockdown hasn't been that hard for the most part, but yet we've had like, you know, problems from day one. We had a massive protest um, this weekend where 150 people were arrested. I'm just like, at which point are the people going to sit down and go, oh, you know, we really need to get on top of this because it's not, it's not going to get better by um, not doing anything. And the press just seem the government seems to do it day by day, so they go. Christmas is coming, so we might, we might, we might, you know, not be that hard in the last week before Christmas. Um, but if you don't do what we say till then, it, it might get worse. The scientists are just going, just lock it down, bro, lock it down. But nobody seems to listen to the, I, 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 the science I, I think on this at all. And it's crazy. I think there's a. I think there's a fundamental problem in the UK of uh, total arrogant belligerence of thinking that they are never actually going to experience it or get it. So well, why should I bother being concerned about lockdown? In fact, you know, the, the, the enforcement of it is pretty lackadaisical. People, although when they're in a, the likes of a protest to get arrested, they're not, not getting arrested for going and doing things they shouldn't uh, shouldn't be doing, which is going out, meeting people, you know, going to, you know, I, I'd say, cafes or parks or whatever. It might be a bit cold, but still, things are happening and places are still open and places that shouldn't be open are still open. And I, I, I think it's the, it's the British mentality of, Oh well, it's just never going to happen to me, is it? So what, what's the point? It's, it's other people, not in my backyard. Mm. Until, until mm. everybody is affected by a family member having had or died from it, who has become the evangelist within that family, the UK is going to be doomed to wave after wave after wave after wave. Which was one of the big decisions of why, why I decided to uh, jump across to the continent. You know, of course it was. Because I just don't don't think they're they're ever going to get mm. it under control unless it, it turns to the likes of herd Im immunity, which is a fallacy in my mind anyway. Because mm. not not everybody is going to get it, can get it, can survive it, and then there's all the questions of well, is it immunity once you've had it? Because we're we're still quarantining people who have had it. Um, if they've been near other people have now got it for the, their first time. So it's just, it, none of it makes sense. Mm. And the UK doesn't make sense. And it's like, I, I was still there during uh, lockdown um, or second lockdown. And I was kind of thinking, well, what yeah. lockdown? What lockdown? Mm. I, yeah, I, I'm in West London. Maybe uh, London is still that bubble of, you know, ignorance. But God, yeah, it, it, it just... It just pickles me that we think what we're being told in the media in in the uk and what's coming out is like here's the here's the thing the bbc will say if it's working mm. yeah. if it's not working they won't say a thing or they'll just be an article saying has has lockdown worked this time you know question mark with a load of stats mm. It's like, yeah. wait a second, wouldn't you be singing the praises? Wouldn't you got the numbers are going down, rocketing down, it's working, well done, everybody, all working on the blah, blah, blah. But eh, eh. no, and, and that's that's where the BBC, you know, has, I think, got a, a reputation for itself with the conspiracy theorists of, of being this, you know, um, political voice that's never uh, uh, <sighs> questioned correctly and gets things completely wrong and and does it on behalf of the establishment it's like no it, it doesn't they're still journalists yeah they, they they still report but they just mute some of that reporting or or temper that reporting 
for making it more positive than mm. it actually is. It doesn't go all out. It's horrific out there. It just goes, ah, oh, pe- are people enjoying this lockdown? It's like enjoying, lo- what, why are you not saying it's working? Why not saying? Wow, numbers are <laughs> you'd say it. Yeah. It's 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 suppression of the facts by not reporting them. You know, it's you know the whole idea of uh, it, it's as much of a crime not to take action. You know, mm. and that, that's yeah. that's what the BBC are at the moment. I think. I I I, I jump in and say I do agree to an extent. I think the BBC has been very not impartial. I, I think they've been afraid of upsetting the government because the government's been threatening them pretty much since they got into power, um, since yep. Boris took power. And I think there's a fear of, of upsetting them a bit, which, you know, I, I think you know, the government needs to, if the government could take responsibility, it would step back and take a look at itself and go, well, look, let's work to be a, a more honest to policy with people. Because the Conspiracy theorists are taking advantage of the situation, and not just with COVID, but with a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, and the message they're putting out there is going to get a lot of people killed. And really, I don't understand why they haven't been allowed to... Well, there aren't news crews on wards with nursing staff showing how bad it can get. Because in some parts, it is bad. There are people dying every night from COVID. Uh, if, if people don't believe it, they need to see it. And uh, unfortunately, the press don't seem willing to do that. And I know members of the public would, would prefer that people see this. Nursing staff certainly would, because you see, you hear the news stories, um, you go online, you hear their stories, whether it, I, I, like I've done recently on TikTok, of people being worn out, um, of people who oh, yeah. are catching COVID and still having to work, of people who are, you know, not getting a pay rise, of people who are, you know, having to deal with with the the burden of of holding a, a camera up while this person says goodbye to their family, and yet you've got people on the streets, sort of protesting against even wearing masks. I'm very much like I, I don't know how much crazier this is going to get, but I guess this is what's unleashed when you're able to unleash something as stupid yeah. as Brexit. But we won't go into Brexit too much this week. But I, I just feel it, it ties into that same sort of mentality that, you know, it's what matters isn't the facts. What that matters isn't the people who are actually even working on these wards. What matters is what Bob says in a WhatsApp group or on a Facebook group. Simple um, messages, and that guys. to me is just the saddest place to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I, it's, I completely it's agree. The there's, saddest there's place an... in this country to be. There's there's a proper undermining of factual base um, correspondence, like basically reporting. And um, even before Brexit, I think there was a well before Brexit, the thing that led up to Brexit was that lies were continually told about the EU. Again, not to go too much into the the Brexit scenario, but that set a foundation. So there's a foundation for basically misinformation, and we've got that. And that's what the the stuff with the anti-vaxxers is, not wearing masks. I mean, I think the main problem with people who believe they, that I spoke to, um, unfortunately, we had a plumbing issue. So we had the plumber around and we spoke to I spoke to him about and he had a friend who was convinced not to take the vaccine, trying to convince him not to take the vaccine because it was a government plot to track him. And, you know, if they want if the government wanted to track you, you've got a mobile phone, you've got a card that you pay with for everything. There are ways to track you that they've already got. They don't need a vaccine and a mask is not going to stop them tracking you. Do you know what I mean? They can just follow your GPS signal, right? <laughs> so there, there's this there's this thing where people have got it ingrained somehow that they're really interesting because like Joe Bloggs, Dave down the street, <laughs> you know, Dave, you know, Dave down the street thinks that he's that interesting to someone at MI6 or or the powers that be, whoever these powers that be are, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theorists believe that someone's trying to take over the world order is trying to take over that you, I'm not that interesting to the government. You're not that interesting to the government. I don't do anything. That's very interesting. I've got two kids. That's it. Do you know what I mean? So uh, people want to be special and knowing something that they believe they've cottoned on to. I mean, I think I've been guilty of it in the past in, in some scenarios that you've cottoned on, they've cottoned on to it. They, they, they've opened their eyes. They know exactly what's going on. No one else knows. Aren't they special? Aren't they clever? 
and then they can spread this light. And obviously someone's manipulating. It's a, it's a whole manipulation thing that's happening, but then people are really buying into it and they're special, like the flat earthers. Do you know what I mean, Curtis? There's a whole movement. There's been a movement for, for yeah. decades of bullshit and people really bought into it. Um, so I think, I think the UK at the moment, just like the USA has been, has been very much affected by this, but other countries across the world have been as well. I think Finland's got a, got a, got a bit of an issue at the moment with with the right wing sort of um, gaining traction there as well. So it's not just it's not just places where you know about the right wing being like Austria or certain parts of Germany. You know, it's it's sort of gaining traction through a, throughout. And the best way to do that is to, is to gain it with lies because booth is not beneficial for them. So so creating you know this kind of this kind of unbalance in societies works out very well for people who want to change things, but not necessarily in a positive way. Um, sorry, I think I've gone off piece there. I apologize. No, I, I, I think you've got a really, really good point, <laughs> point there, uh, TC, from, from the aspect of what if they got what they wanted? Hmm. What would they do with it? And, and that's, that's the issue here. This, this isn't um, solution outcome based. This is a uh, negative problem-based focus mm. because you go, okay, fine. Let, let, let's take the hypothesis that, yeah, you know what? You're right. Lockdown um, is wrong. Let's not have lockdown. In fact, you don't have to wear masks anymore. Let's just, let's just let it run. Let, let's mm. see what happens. And th then the other side of that, it's, it's either, you know, you, you, um, th their answer is, the do nothing answer again, you know, hilarious how that theme has popped up uh, for, for me, what, what I'm saying here, but, but it's uh, let, let's stop and let's go backwards or go to a time that we felt more comfortable with ourselves and the world, mm. um, which I, dare I say, the internet has really messed that one up for them because there, there was ne never such a thing as the, the more comfortable with the world in the past is probably worse than it is now. We just have such a, a populace of information that everyone yeah. is, is putting into this, uh, into this thing that we call the internet. And, and then you can, you can go down one path or one rabbit hole here, there, the other, and get so convinced by people that are so passionate and so enlivened and, in, mm. and seemingly enlightened by this information. Mm. That, that it can turn your head and if you're susceptible to anything like that or even if you're not so susceptible but you have enough of it you have a bombardment of it mm. and there's a, something inside you that's like you know what I, I i need a bit of that angsty anguish to release and focus on yes it's a problem it's a problem but then you know what what is the solution and if the solution is well the solution is well just don't do that thing because that thing's a problem it's like no that's not the solution to the thing because yeah. there is a problem, maybe you're denying that is, there is a problem, or um, you know, maybe there isn't a problem, and the other side is saying there is a problem. You know, the problem is we don't know anymore. Do, do you know what, Joe? What you've said there is, I think, it really encapsulated by the the US issue with with gun crime and shootings. Yeah. Like, there's a problem. They sort of just deny that it's a problem with the guns or with you know, with people having guns or being able to buy guns. It's not, that's not the problem. It's the person rather than, right, fair enough. You, that per, that person would still be violent, but they wouldn't be carrying a semi-automatic rifle. They'd be carrying a knife or some kind of homemade something or other, which means that they wouldn't be able to kill 35 people in less than six minutes. Do you know what I mean? So in, in this, that, that, that argument sort of completely encapsulates that. It's not the guns. The guns aren't the problem. It's the people. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think that, that encapsulates that as a, whole metaphor and it it could be this could be industrial this could be almost like an industrial manipulation as it was for oil um for for cigarettes um for lots of other things that are happening which main huge industries try to suppress evidence about it being bad so it could be almost starting from that sort of era and we're seeing almost the fruition it's new a new kind of it's being used by different people for their own means or for their own ends but this is sort of the same thing and it's it's a misinformation tool isn't it um and making people feel special you know there's no if you, this guy's 87 he's uh he's, he doesn't have cancer he smoked 60 cigarettes a day most of his life he's absolutely fine fair enough he can't breathe but you know um he's absolutely fine so you're right i think that's that's it's very interesting that you put it like that but i, I see the, the the gun debate in the states being almost the exact same 
Same thing there. It's so so nuanced. Uh, and, well, just, and that's to, just to jump in and to top, just to top this, it's, it's it's one of these things that like people aren't taking. I don't feel people are taking this lockdown very seriously, to the point that there was a student. Obviously, students always do what students do. But in Nottingham, they had to break up a party of 200 people at a halls of residence who were partying along. Mm. Now, when the police turned up, they all disappeared. But I think this is the type of problem that we're going to have now. Partly because the government didn't have any faith in people to start with, I think. Because um, if I remember the first lockdown, people hardly went out. Um, people went again, went out for shopping, but people were happy to just not go out. Um, mm. And now we're at a situation where I think people, if there's nobody there to stop them now, um, which I didn't want. I didn't want it in a situation where the police had to enforce it strictly. Um, but now, you know, people want to party. It's Christmas is coming up. You know, if you're a young person and you've been single all year, Christmas is at one time you're guaranteed to perhaps get some action, right? And now it's like you're you're gonna you're willing to take that risk because all year you've been told that if you're under a certain age, you're unlikely to die. Um, and the conspiracy theorists have been putting that message out there that if you're fit and healthy, COVID won't affect you, which isn't actually true. Yeah. It possibly won't kill you, but you can lose your sense of taste, your sense of smell, and it can cause serious lung damage. There are yeah. people who caught COVID early in the year and six months later are still struggling with it. Yeah. So I think it's unfortunate. Again, do you, and I keep saying it, the incompetence of Boris and his team of sideshow bobs who really well, don't seem to know what can, they're doing and keep ask, getting credit, too much credit for... for... Go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say, Curse, you, immediately, you know, remember, we had, we had, don't worry, we're not going to lock anything down. It's absolutely fine. We've got enough stuff for the NHS. We've got PPE. We've got everything. We're ready. Turns out we didn't have PPE. Turns out we weren't ready. Um, turns out we had to go into lockdown. Well, after lockdown, then we were, during lockdown, we were given, he had to help out. So go to a pub, but stay at home <laughs> in the place. All right, eat out to help out, spread the disease. Um, then schools were opened at the same time as basically normal life was opened. So we didn't know if instead of doing like a staggered start, which I would have guessed Sage would have advised, a staggered start to get things back into into the pub in public life to see if we control it or, or see where it spiked. So where the children were passing it, we opened up everything. Then we, you know the, the Sage advice was to have a two-week lockdown, ignored. Then we had to go into a month worth of lockdown. And basically we've come out of that month worth of lockdown into another lockdown. In, in basically in theory, we've not really changed. We're still in lockdown. We've just called it something else. Called it tier two where I am, probably tier three where you are, or tier, you know, wherever you are, there's a tier system. But mm. it's generally not tier one unless you're on the Isle of Sheppey. Um so we're still in lockdown. Nothing seems to be we we keep getting lied to. So these kids who are 18, 19, 20, you know, I don't blame them. I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. The issue is that if the government doesn't take it seriously, as we saw Boris Johnson get COVID, as we've seen like certain, well, Donald Trump and his his uh, party getting COVID and the prime minister and the cabinet getting COVID, you know, if they're not taking it seriously, why the fuck should these kids who really don't give a fuck? And as you, you can want to socialize, even if it's not about, if even if it's about getting laid or whatever that is, it's supposed to be about meeting young people having fun. Do you know what I mean? They've been sort of trapped, you know, and they actually do want, this shows actually, it shows me a lot of hope because I'm scared that, you know, they're going to be the mobile generation who's in a room in a disco with headphones in looking at their phones, not talking to each other. <laughs> obviously, yes, you know, obviously they do want actual, actual interaction. Do you know what I mean? So, so in many ways it's positive. Um, I, I, I think come the end I of. Think I, I, I definitely want to ju jump in here. I, I think, yeah. you know, the, Again, it's around what are we actually focusing on and getting to focus on, you know, rather than having it kind of a, um, a, a filtered approach. And hilariously enough, I kind of kind of like um, I never thought I'd say this, but Piers Morgan's approach on Good Morning Britain, the fact that he is a, a quite no holds barred and willing to tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. And this is probably one of the only times where I'm like, you know what, thank you. Somebody's actually really going for it and, and almost saying what we're trying to say in, in, mm -hmm. in this space. But, you know, aren't we looking at it in, in, in the wrong way? I mean, at what point is the tipping point when we don't have enough people 
in the country to run the con- countries we know it. At what point do we not have enough people to run um, the the factories that churn out the food that, that we need? At what point do we not have enough lorry drivers to actually bring the food across the country um, to, to where it's needed? At what point do we not have enough IT technicians working in the data centers to keep our beloved internet up and running and flowing in, in the way it needs to? At what yeah. point this the simple services like gas water and electric start falling over because you know bob who had all the knowledge unfortunately caught covid um and three of his co-workers died from it and they've lost that that knowledge because we were not knowledge-based industry you start losing enough people you don't have that knowledge to run the, the primary systems and you don't have mm-hmm. enough people here and then you know, factor in i'm going to do it i'm going to factor in brexit here where you've had waves and waves of um incredibly valuable individuals and people with knowledge that have just decided you know what you don't like me anymore i'm out uh, I feel really, really disheartened with the way the UK is going and I'm going to leave. But they take that knowledge and they, they pump it into um, other uh, countries where they have the same industries. But the thing is, at what point have enough people died for us to go, whoa, we've got to turn our lights off at, uh, for an hour every night at 9 p.m. And that, that, that's the new normal, you know? It's like yeah. intermittent power outage, uh, power outages, intermittent internet. You know, we, we're used to abundance. We're used to everything at our fingertips, answers, knowledge, everything. At what point do enough people die f- uh, for us to not have that and then go, oh, oh, now it's affecting my life. Now it's affecting my life. Because yeah. at the moment, it's not affecting their life. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You might, might go lockdown. Oh, yeah, it's affecting my life. I can't go out. It's like, well, is it the only thing that seems to be shut up? fucking pubs and restaurants mm. <laughs> you know nothing yeah. else oh so, sorry gyms and gymnasiums and yoga classes well, ah, i'm in that place again <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on the gym guys because they've been mighty rebellious these days um i think there's been a few gym owners that are like we're not closing the gym it affects people's mental health we're not doing it and although i credit their bravado at the same time i'm like yeah if, if anywhere's going to get you infected it's a gym um <laughs> but yeah there's a sort of like fights a sort of fight to stay open a lot of places are being closed down or fined i think up to 10 grand um or more what's going to be interesting is as we move forward especially for the anti-vaxxers who mm. the ones who are protesting um if they're little englanders it might suit them fine but apparently airlines um and places like that are going to be like you have to get vaccinated before you take a flight you have to get vaccinated before you can go to concerts. You have to get vaccinated before you go to uh, festivals. So with that into account, it's going to be interesting how um, hardcore the anti-vaxxers are in terms of COVID. And it's going to be even more interesting if they're going to be able to enforce that um, rule in terms of, because, of, you know, if you decide not to get vaccinated, what are you going to give up on holidays abroad, the music festivals? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to enforce that as it moves forward. Because um, I certainly think this is a long-term sort of anti-establishment, but, anti-government, but, but, but how, how, how do, anti-George how do you know? Soros sort of anti. I've got, I've got, I've got to call, call that, call that out though. You know, the, the whole idea that mm. well, if you if you haven't been vaccinated, then you can't get on a plane. Now, how on earth is the UK going to manage that and actually run that in a way where they're going to say, you've not been vaccinated? It's like, how do you know? What mm. system? Oh, we got a track and we got vaccine track and trace. Like, well, you definitely don't know then. So yeah. it can't be implemented. Hey, I, I take no, I take no responsibility. I, 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 I take no responsibility for the actions of Boris Johnson's government because I, I think, as with everything else, they will mess this one up. <laughs> and I think the actual take-up of the vaccine is going to be quite low, especially for the next six months until, like... Because, um, basically, I think people are going to be distrustful of any vaccine that's been made that quickly. And two, the amount of misinformation out there about tracking devices... You know, Bob, who works in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, the posty, you know, he, 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 he might refuse to take it. You know, um, five guys called Freddie Worker, Jim, 
he might refuse to take it, you know, because they're worried about being tracked. And like Tony says, let, you know, the government's too incompetent to track people, let alone put chips into vaccinations, which well, nobody's not, able to do at the it's, moment. It's so not just clear. the government, is it? Um, it? It's not just the government. It's the, it's the, unfortunately, it's the private hands, the private business that this, you know, people with no experience of let alone track and trace. And I'm not saying that, that any business would be good at track and trace apart from the police um, or MI or, or MI five or MI six. But the thing is, instead of being funding the NHS to do it, um, who, you know, understand the procedures of trying to contain an infectious disease, or at least have place things in place in hospitals already standing well before COVID about how to stop the spread of a disease within the hospital due to things like um, MRA and other diseases, you know, Instead of giving it to them, we get it to people who have no idea what to do. And that's why the system is failing. But we can blame the NHS and not give those nurses a, a pay rise or the doctors or say that, you know, we stop clapping for them. And trust me, three years down the line from this, if it all goes away and we're all fine, they'll be start, you know, they'll be start trying to cut back the NHS again and you know, trying to flog it down the river. But for now, we won't give them any more money and then expect them to work even fucking harder. So I... I I, I don't know. It's not just the government. It's the, who the government's giving the money to. And obviously the government does make the decisions, although they don't like to, to admit that. And I've gone completely off piece and I apologize. I've, re I've really lost my way here. I do for a second glass of wine. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, it, was, it was superb. I think you're being too hard on yourself there, TC. Um, look, I, I think moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see what the government's able to do. It's the government that's built its power on the back of, um, as far as I'm concerned, conspiracy theories and lies. It's led mm. by a man who literally admitted to lying about nearly everything he ever said. Um, I, it's it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes. And certainly, like, Boris is probably the most prominent populist leader mm. in the West now that Trump's being finished off by the American people who bravely stood up and went, fuck this shit, <laughs> um, and offloaded him into a whole different world. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next three years of Boris's government. He's 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 shown himself to be in, like in, incapable of making any decisions without being told by his press man that he's taking hands on control. He's shown a disregard for COVID for the first six months until he actually caught it, um, and then suddenly started exercising and telling the rest of the nation they should do as well. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, Priscilla Patel this week should have been sacked. She was not for bullying. I, I, I don't know how much credibility this government can lose. But knowing Boris, it'll be quite substantial as time goes on. Now, moving on slightly, talking about victims of COVID, I don't know why this story is sort of like good and bad. I, I, I feel absolutely sad for all the employees of the uh, Arcadia Group because I know a few of them and they do work incredibly hard but at the same time Philip Green you know the entire empire is collapsing around him um the companies may be saved but it looks like it's the end of of, of Philip Green to a degree I don't think it's as bad as the press are making out um the son was like he's gonna have no bodyguards know this and the one thing I know about very rich people is when they say they lost all their money haven't really lost all their money. Philip Green's not going to be moving into a council estate anytime soon. Um, oh. You know, but what is, you know, he, Topshop, Burton, Dorothy Perkins, all set to enter administration. They might be bought up, but quite possibly some of them could, could be closing down, never to be returning again. It's the second time Philip Green's been involved in like, a massive loss of money for businesses, BHS, um, was the previous one where they lost, I think people lost their pensions and BHS went into administration and disappeared from the British High Street. But have you guys heard about this story? Uh, Philip Green, once one of the richest men in Britain, you know, the king of retail, obviously now a victim of um, COVID mm. as such. And the High Street's lost, I think it says it put 13, it says here 13,000 jobs. I heard it was as high as 20,000 jobs. You know, although they're putting it down to Philip Green being a bit slightly incompetent, which I don't think is the case, isn't this a further sign of the damage that COVID and Brexit are going to be doing for the British economy over the next year? 
and you know do any of either of you see any way out of this and i'm always negative about this i i i i I try to be positive but i see no positives in brexit is there any positives to be had from this i've only heard of one which i'll mention if you guys don't um but are there any positives that either of you can see in terms of the british economy over the next six months to a year yeah yeah so i i I genuinely feel that the uk uh it has at its heart a set of people who have creative intelligence uh, so much so that the uk's reinvented itself on kind of a regular cyclic basis from being you know your um coal steel you know primary workers if you like maybe i'm not not using the right right term but you know the 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 real graft workers and then it's changed to you know um what are we known for being a bunch of uh uh telesales telemarketers um you know it just kind of everything shifted but that means the entrepreneurs that set those companies up and created that shift and then it tipped and so it became so prevalent and then the you know the internet and the financial system and all these things that that keep on churning so there's there's a a couple of green shoots that, that i see off the back of these things especially brexit i mean there is going to be a resurgence of people going you know what what, I'm not sure why we did this or why my grandmother, who's now died from COVID, um, decided to vote, vote us out of this uh, because I was maybe a bit young and I, I don't get it. See, I'm, to- I'm talking like long, long term now. Those people getting creative enough to go, you know what, we want something different, but we're going to do it by um, building bridges, by building companies, by being innovative, by uh, developing on the foundation of what the UK actually has, which is... You know, dare I say it, looking now from uh, a more European uh, perspective and thinking and reading about those things, a structural base to something that we don't focus on as a people and go like, wow, that's incredible, because we have no benchmark to say this is incredible. We have that. We have foundations. The UK has foundations for these people to thrive and develop and innovate and and uh, change again. So it's like... The, the snake will shed its clothes and it'll happen again. And the, the boom will happen again. Boom mm. and bust. It, it, it never changes. From the beginnings of time, there's been boom and bust. And the UK is absolutely at the heart of that. And, and I say that because, you know, the boom and busts are, are getting shorter and shorter periods of time. It's like over two, three years now, yeah, COVID is a very strange period of time. And so it'll end up being a bit longer. But then we'll have, what, three, four years of boom when that goes, because these these people that are innovating are like, okay, I got to think now. I don't want to do the the tertiary work. I don't want to, you know, clean toilets. I'm going to have to get creative and, and create something and put something out there and you know, make it global and do it from the UK base and all these kinds of things. And that happens and the innovators are, are there. Absolutely. And so I think we under, underestimate the, the foundation that the UK does have inherently and we do pass on to everyone. And we are, um, you know, so focused on the negatives around everything that happens and, you know, how bad is Conservative Party and Boris and all, all these kinds of great things. Mm-hmm. We then forget the, the thing that, that does work. It's like the whole idea that uh, when you cut your arm open, it's like, oh my God, I know my arm is cut, it really hurts. And it starts to heal and it starts to scab over. I know, oh, it hurts. It's so bad, so bad, so bad. And then, for, then one day you just forget to talk about it. It's like, oh, mm. it's healed and it's perfect. It's like, why wouldn't you go and like, wow, it's healed and perfect for all the rest of the skin in the body that's completely working well. You never do, you just take it for completely for granted. And so we take the UK for granted a lot. And we're like, oh, it's all downhill, it's all downhill. It's like, well, it's not going to be. There's 70 million people there. There's going to be 80 million people in, in not too distant future, or maybe 75 because of COVID's kind of wiped out a whole generation. But um, it will still grow. It, was, it has to innovate. It has to develop. Otherwise, we all die. That's that's the yeah. truth of it, you know. And people don't want to die. They don't want to ha- have that. And so, no matter how bad it gets, there will be resurgence. No matter how many people die, how many world wars we have, whatever, there'll be a resurgence. And this is one of them. It, this is a world war, COVID. No, no question. It's yeah. just a, a, an invisible enemy. 
Um, and then you've got Brexit and the UK. That Brexit is a war, a war on the UK, and a war waged by uh, actually fundamental greed and um, a neuropathological disease. I'm going to call it. And it's people that are manipulating it for themselves and their own gain. And that's yeah. the war we're fighting. And when that starts to tip the other way and the innovators mm. and invasion comes back, it'll be great again. Hmm. Also, just I picking hope up so. on that. Just personally reminded of that scene when you were when you were talking about the um, the the wound. And I just saw that scene of the Holy Grail and the UK is the Black Knight. <laughs> Well, I was, I was going to say you're you're right. In the future, this won't seem as important. Obviously, we're living in the moment of COVID and Brexit, and you know uh, now we're living from two separate sides of this coin. You know, uh, you're you're on the Europe. James is on the European. Me and Curtis on the on on the British side. Not necessarily Brexiteers, but um, I was just thinking about this. And and during the American Revolution. You know, you've got to understand. I'm, I'm not saying it's the same thing. It's it's not, but it is money based in a way. You know, the the US or the people that were going to be the U United States, they were being hit by a lot of taxes um, for their goods that they were selling to basically to Britain, which was their main market. Um, but nonetheless, they took the decision, and I'm not I'm not I'm not questioning the good or the bad of it. But they took a decision that I would have thought by many people who lived in the states at that point would have thought madness they were paying a lot of tax but their main market was great britain and the british empire um and they survived and actually they went on to thrive to become like uh, you know currently the richest nation on in the world now i know britain's a completely different kettle of fish as in we don't have the landmass we don't have the resources you know we, we've tapped into pretty much all of our resources so there's not so it's got to come any kind of innovation now or has to come from tech so it's whether it's uh i'm not necessarily about being in space or anything but it'd be about how to use information which thanks to cambridge analytica we seem to be quite good at so the these innovations for, for great britain and it will go on things will get better what worries me is how bad it will be before it gets better so we'll just see what happens really CJ, I apologise, you're up. Never apologise, TC. This is Global Frequency, and we like to talk loud and proud here. Um, so don't ever stop. Now, look, I, I hope I'm wrong, but again, all I have in my head is that image of the Black Knight and things just dropping <laughs> off and it's just yeah. getting worse and worse, especially with of all the buffoons you can have leading the country, Boris Johnson... The man who literally they keep announcing he's going hands on in every couple of months on a situation he's created. I just find it distressing. But I do hope, I wish the UK best because I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm living in the country. So I do want it to do well. But I, I, I just fear for it, people that think that, you know, the government's trying to track them with microchips. I just, I, I fear for the worst. But we'll see what happens. You know, British innovation. Is, is sometimes amazing, um, you know, and, and not just, not just, you know, there's great aspects to it, like Dyson um, and all the rest of them who've done things that have made the UK stand out, you know. We apparently invented the internet, but I do why there's that other side as well, that, that sort of Boris Johnson-y side, that Brexit side, that, that side that just, you know, doesn't, want to actually achieve and wants to just see the whole place burn down. The type of people that vote on uh, X Factor for the funniest performer as opposed to the person with the most talent mm. is, is, is what I'm trying to say. So I hope it does get better. But me hopes, I, I'm not holding up me hopes. Now, not to depress you boys anymore, but we are coming closely to the end of the show. But before we do, a few more issues. So Trump is, is leaving power. Trump, the first president since Carter, not to start a conflict. Um, he has killed a few people, but he hasn't started a conflict. And he has yeah. interfered in a few nations like Venezuela. But yesterday, um, the, uh, the top Iranian nuclear scientist was assassinated near Tehran. Mm. He was taken out possibly by Mossad. But Mossad mm. probably wouldn't have made that move unless the Americans knew about it. Um, you know... Biden's about to come in. Do you guys, you know, 
as an issue, Iran hasn't been a big one so much over the past years. Iran wants to create nuclear weapons, but we had a deal, but Trump didn't like it. You know, do you think the next five years or even year, you know, we're going to see things turn, you know, bad in the Middle East again? Um, you know, the Iraq war is starting to wind down. Troops are starting to be brought back. Um, uh, Trump did, which again, nobody give him, no, not many people give him credit for it. But I remember those days of the Gulf War One and Two, and the mm. invasion of Afghanistan, and the invasion of Iraq. Those were bad, pretty bad times. Lots of people were dying. Um, you know, it didn't seem like it had any end in sight. Are we looking in? The, you know, Biden's about to come in. He's not shy of giving foreign powers a bit of a kicking. Um, do you think we're looking at a, a return to possibly the bad old days of, of international politics um, with that assassination? Because that, that that's like, you know, that's a pretty hefty thing to carry out. But do you think we're, we're return, going to return to that with the return of, um, you know, uh, Biden? Um, from what I know about Biden, Curtis, if we can just jump in there, Biden when he was in the Obama administration, was an advocate of bringing troops back anyway. So although he might be willing to go to war on certain issues, he's definitely not one for leaving troops or presences abroad that he doesn't have to. So he's not, he's not that far, yeah. far away from what's happening already. Because I think that was always the long-term goal. Even Obama wanted to bring troops back. He just realised that you know, looking at the facts that he, he couldn't bring everybody back because actually it destabilized the area because the area was already destabilized. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, th I think hopefully with Biden in, there's an adult in the room who's wielding power rather than a, 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 a toddler who can kick off at any point, you know, and be really spiteful with Trump. So hopefully it'll be a little bit better. Yeah. Um uh, that's me hoping that'll be better. No idea. But I, I don't think the Middle East is being stable <laughs> at any point. I think COVID shut a lot of stuff down, you know, even in the Middle East, you know. So, but I don't think they've had a particularly good run of it. And that's because of so much destabilization that's happened, happened in the Middle East, God, since the 1920s, yeah. you know, early in that pretty much. So, so it, there's been a lot of issues in the Middle East and it's still there. So I, I can't see it getting better anytime soon. Yeah, the, the, whole thing, the whole thing concerns me. You know, I, I, I almost wish someone like Adam Curtis would make another documentary about it so I can have some um, reliance on, on a credible source. Mm. Because I, I've always feared that, especially with the news and now with so much you know suspected fake news and different types of news and so many filters to try and see the same thing through like who knows what happened you know who's who knows what the truth is it'll only be after the fact that it'll come out to the general public so we can have a, a genuine debate around it rather than have to swallow uh, whatever propaganda is being pumped into the news media by the, the people that have t uh, uh, carried out such an assassination for example i mean you know it, it, Iran as a, um, a nuclear threat um, have been attacked by numerous nations over uh, many, many years. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, I work in cybersecurity as part of my, my day job. And one of the stories there is about the story of Stuxnet, where they actually, um, uh, the, the, the story goes, you had four nations working together to um, stop nuclear armament and send a, a zero day cyber attack into the um uh iranian uranium enrichment program where they literally filmed a, a centrifuge or the reporting from a centrifuge at the speed of the spinning of the centrifuge it, um you, you know like uh the, those cop shows where they, they tap into the CCTV camera and film an empty corridor yeah, and then yeah. they play that loop back and then run on in, you know, and, and the security guy's like, oh, it's an empty corridor, whatever. You know, um, what normal working parameters are for the centrifuge, they recorded that and then kept on feeding that back to the scientists and the, and then actually slowed it down so they couldn't yeah. enrich uranium. And the, 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 the story goes that the head of the uranium 
uh, uranium enrichment program was actually assassinated by the the Iranian nation and and their regime because you couldn't work out how to sort it out. So is it is it something new? No, you know, have Iran um, had a presence on the world stage in a negative way as portrayed by um, uh, Western media? Yes, of course. Uh, right down to even, I'll reference Adam Curtis again, saying that it was um, uh, one of the Ayatollahs that put the idea of suicide bombing out into the world as, as a, a form of martyrdom, um, and that people would go to um, utopia if they blew themselves up. So, you know, yeah. directly influencing mm. the balance of power and all the problems that, that have been felt because people have been so manipulated by a regime to uh, be a force of evil slash manipulation slash control slash whatever, you know, tipping a balance of power and making it no longer just the uh, warfare, but being every individual, it could be a problem. Hence why we have so many checks at airports, for example, you know? So that, that, that whole assassination thing, there's a story in there somewhere we won't know about for 50 years. That's what yeah. I think. Mm. And can I just say, say really quick, okay. quickly, well, if well, anybody generally. has the opportunity to actually watch any Adam Curtis documentaries, like, um, I think it's hyper, oh God. Hyper normalization. Hyper normal. If you get the opportunity to watch that, do. It's absolutely incredible, as most of his stuff is. So, so if you get the opportunity, give it a go if you've never seen it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. It's another episode of the uh, Global Frequency, and I'll leave you with a note that the Culture Secretary believes that the British people are so stupid they need a warning before episodes of The Crown to let them know that it's a fictional representation <laughs> of the royal family as opposed to an actual depiction. That's what the Culture Minister believes. But there you go, ladies and gents. This is a world we live in. This is a global frequency. And we really are getting global because the lovely James is in Portugal. So we'll cross the oceans, we'll cross the seas to bring you the, the latest, um, I don't know, conversation of world news, politics, whatever comes our way. We'll be back again next Sunday live. We'll put the podcast out afterwards. But thank you for joining us. This is the global frequency. Gentlemen, say goodnight to your people. Good night, uh, good people. Night, people. Thank you, guys, and have a great night. We'll see you next see week. See you later. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Right, cool. That's stop there. And...